Hey, Susanna. Hey, Tavi. Yo, what's going on? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. What's new on your side of the fence? Anytime anyone says something about fences, I just immediately think of Home Improvement at Wilson. Oh, yes. Cover half of my face. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Wilson. Oh, my gosh. The kids these days wouldn't even catch that reference. So I know, right? I was just thinking we totally just aged ourselves. But anyways, what my daughter is really into right now is Frozen, uh, which is weird. Of course. I mean, I get that it's like toddler crack or whatever, but she's never even seen the movie. Grandma just showed her Let It Go, the music video on YouTube, and she just instantly got hooked. Wow. Better than Baby Shark. You know, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's true. But we were at the thrift store the other day and she found like a box set of frozen dolls in the box and was like, I have to have these. And I was like, okay, all right, fine. So we got them. And then as I'm unpacking them, they're in like that blister pack where oh. it's, it's like a box, but yeah. then there's plastic like sandwiched all around them, vacuum sealed. And it's just, it's so annoying. It's like, why do we need all this plastic? I did not need this. And yeah. then like, what am I supposed to do? Because I can't even recycle it. It doesn't have a number on it. It's like totally unrecyclable. It's just garbage. Yeah, exactly. It's so, it's like beyond just annoying and like wasteful. It's just, it's horrible. And the worst part is like it plastic recycling itself, like the entire practice of plastic recycling is kind of a misnomer anyway. What? What do you mean? I am doing my environmental duty out here by recycling. What are you talking about? Well, well, in advance of what is it? America Recycles Week next week. But, you know, we've talked about this in terms of like it's come up as carbon footprint conversations. It's come up as any sort of green washing. Most recycling facilities can actually only recycle a few, maybe even a couple of types of plastic. So no matter if you put like everything in the right bin and sort it that has a number, a lot of it is actually still just going to go to like a pre-sorted landfill. What? Yeah, Wait, yeah, yeah. What? But it has a number. Yeah, yeah. Imagine what, like three, four, five, six, seven. Imagine basically anything over two has major complications when it comes to recycling. They're just more process heavy, right? Like to actually recycle. And a lot of the facilities, the general like plastic recycling facilities around the country just don't have the specialized equipment or processes to to handle those, those more complicated uh- why? Why do yeah, they even yeah, yeah. put a number if they can't recycle it? Well, calculate your carbon footprint and you can then accept all responsibility for a problem that's actually bigger than you. Like ah. it, it, it basically is sending you a, a strong marketing message, a signal that, yeah, you know, this, you should feel okay to use plastic, man. It's like awesome. And, you know, this number just means it's going to go to the right, like recycling. I don't even know why I'm doing the California accent, but here it is. Um, It's like, you know, it just doesn't, it's not real. And it makes you kind of, it's like a, like a quick little dopamine hit to make you feel like you did your, your part. It completely worked. I thought that I could recycle if it had a number that Mm -hmm. is so frustrating. Yeah. And that feeling that you're experiencing right now, that the one after that realization, that's just basic environmental dread. So, you know, welcome back to the party. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing that solar panels don't suffer from this kind of recycling nonsense, right? I I think you need to, I think you need to sit down. Uh. <laughs> look, look we're, today in our episode, we're going to get into uh, solar panel uh, recycling, which is a thing. It's a real thing. This is an oft talked about topic in the solar world. It's something we hear about from customers and from people who are just very environmentally minded. They want to mm-hmm. know 
is this big piece of infrastructure that I'm about to put up on my property at my house, is it just going to go in the landfill in 25 years? Right. Yeah. And the answer is? Maybe. It's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Well said. It's complicated. Uh, All recycling faces the same questions and problems and challenges, right? What do we do with the material once it's been recovered? Is there a market for it? Who wants it? And also, how do we get those materials out? How do we extract them? And once we've figured that out, are there enough of these items around to scale the processes and make them financially viable? Hmm. So I'm I'm hoping there are some answers for at least some of those questions in this upcoming episode. Yes. Yes, there are, or at least some. (laughs) (laughs) And so to help us answer those questions, uh, we're actually really excited because we have our second guest in the entire history of this podcast joining us today. And this guest is our very own Neil Henderson. He is a a warehouse manager up in our Waterbury office in Vermont and a member of our internal B team. So yeah, shall we get into it? Yeah. So we do have answers for some of these questions and to help us answer them, we have our very own Neil Henderson here. Hey, what's up, Neil? Applause. Hey guys, how's it going? Oh my gosh. How's so good it to going, see you. Neil? It's going well. Hi, my name is Neil Henderson. I am the warehouse lead for the Waterbury branch of Sun Common. Uh, and so I, you know, have a lot to do with everything warehouse related and I've just started to finally dip my toes into our waste stream. It's one of the biggest parts of our waste stream is, is mods. Yeah, how'd you, how'd you sort of get into that, um, that angle? Like what, what are you like personally interested in the waste stream or did they get you roped in via your role in warehouse? Uh, no, it's, it's a little bit of, a little bit of both. Um, so I joined the B team this year when they started back up. And one of the roles of that is to kind of, you know, look into ways that we can, help protect mother nature and I'm in the warehouse. And so I thought just naturally it would be best for me to take over and start looking into like our waste stream. Yeah. And the uh, B team is the B team itself is really cool. Um, could you just unpack that a little bit? Like what is the B team at Suncommon? B team is, so we're a benefit corporation. And so in order to be, so it's kind of like, you know, when you go into a grocery store and you see all natural food versus organic Uh, In order to get the organic label, you actually have to meet guidelines set by the FDA. So it's the same for being a B Corp. You need to meet guidelines and actually be showing that, you know, you are working to better the planet, better benefits for people, better work within your community, and you need to record it and present it kind of to get your stamp of approval for being a B Corp. And uh, one of those sections, one of those subsections is environmental stuff. And that's kind of what I've been looking more into. So cool. So of course we, and all of our listeners want to know all about solar panel recycling. That's a hot topic, but Neil, first up, can you tell us why are we even looking into recycling panels? I mean, how many do we have to get rid of every year? Like, is this really a big deal? What's the problem we're even looking at? So as of right now, we're probably only 25 to 30 mods a year. It's really not that much. Uh, but those are mods that have been broken on site or been shipped and they're broken. So it's not, so it's usually only one or two here or there. 
But the, the problem is, is that most solar panels only have about a 20 year lifespan. So if you think about all the mods up until now that, that have been installed by every single, you know, not just us, but every single solar installation company and about starting from you know, about another 10 years, we're going to, they're going to start being a huge waste stream because, you know, instead of maybe one or two at a time, you're going to be removing 30 to 40 off a roof at a time, especially for us. Like just me thinking about this past week, we had at least two jobs that were 40 or 50 mods on a roof. And that's just residential. That's not even like our commercial side, which has been four times as productive these past couple of months as they usually are. So in another 20 years, we're gonna be doing hundreds of mods a month as opposed to one or two. This is like the tip of the iceberg in terms of a, a recycling problem, I guess you can say. Yes, there's a lot of people that are looking into it now because they would like to have the infrastructure in place before it becomes a problem. Would we consider the process of actually recycling these panels or mods, as you're calling them, modules? What are the challenges? Like, do they have like plastic style like numbers on them? Like, what number would a would a solar panel module be? Uh, so, for the most part, uh, when it comes to recycling the mods, you know, the frame is the easiest part to deal with. That's pretty much it. Take it off. It's aluminum, and it's easy to recycle. The hard part is the actual panel itself. It's like layers of glass photovoltaic materials conductors and then it's all kind of coated in a plastic and bonded to the glass so it becomes like this almost like a glued together sandwich of stuff that when it comes to taking that apart it is like a multi-step process that is very complex uh, and most people can't handle it without having specific you know, machinery and uh, processes that can handle it. So basically I can't take this to the bottle deposit and just have it like unceremoniously crushed and delivered no, back to me. No, as a not, no. not to mention that uh, most panels have like trace amounts of like lead or other ha hazardous metals in them. Oh, so, okay. So tell, tell us about that. What are the sort of hazardous materials that are present in a, you know, a general solar panel? Uh, most of the, the silicon based ones that we have, have uh, like a trace amount, I believe of lead in them. Uh, but there are some other panels that have, have other heavy metals, uh, built into them. Yeah, Neil. And I, I'm pretty sure, uh, cause we've asked this question up the chain before we don't actually, Suncommon doesn't actually sell any panels that have traces of, uh, lead in them. Right. Susanna, is that, is that right? We have had customers who are concerned about whether or not solar panels are safe to be installed, of course, on their homes, but also around things like water infrastructure. And of course, lead is a very valid concern. We researched it very thoroughly with our solar panel manufacturers. And the answer that came back from them was, this is not a hazard to drinking water, even if a panel is broken or is sited on a water infrastructure, like on a well site, it's not a hazard to drinking water. And some of the solar panels, like thin film solar panels, for example, have a lot more hazardous materials like cadmium and things like that. So it's kind of a, the hazardous material question is something that's industry wide or like reaches all across all different types of solar panels. The ones that we install don't have issues with hazardous materials leaching. They're totally safe. So like, that's not something you need to worry about if you want to install panels on your house. Got it. So if you were to go solar, like let's say with Suncommon, we have selected panels that while they may contain trace elements of these hazardous materials, they've been vigorously tested and will not have any sort of negative impact upon like a water 
well, shed, whatever. Back to Neil. <laughs> it's very trace amounts. So a lot of people are saying it's okay to throw in your local landfill. It's just not good to have that build up. So this is a problem that we need to deal with now before it starts to build up in our in our local landfills. Yeah, and I love the way you put it just a couple of beats ago. It's like almost like thinking about these panels coming off uh, roofs in like generations, right? Like as an entire system that was installed on or around a specific date kind of reaches its its end of life, that's going to start to create these like scale problems where especially if we in the renewable sector get what we want and we like can help to mitigate a climate disaster in exchange for these awesome power plants on people's roofs, like we want this to scale. We want more panels on roofs on businesses, et cetera. So yeah, really like starting to think about how to tackle this problem before it scales. I'm really glad to hear that folks like you are, you know, taking a look at this and really trying to figure out how to make it a practical, solvable thing. Yeah, you know, the whole reason that we're getting into installing solar is because we want to save the planet. We don't want to become polluters <laughs> just as a byproduct of what we do. You know, we'd like to be zero waste if at, if at all possible. Yeah, totally. And you mentioned, so you started to allude to the fact that even just kind of separating out those layers uh, of each of the modules, like the actual glass and silicon portions of them. That sounds complicated. And if I can translate complicated into American, that usually means expensive. Yeah. How much does it sort of cost, do you think, to recycle a module or a mod, as you call it? Uh, the industry standard for most of the places that I've that I've reached out to and talked with, they charge about $20 a mod. Um, and that's just for the the breaking down of the material that doesn't even account for the shipping and handling costs that go into uh, getting the mods to them. And how does that compare to just throwing it in the landfill, for example, or any other alternative? Well, right now, uh, at least for our business, adding it into our construction waste stream, um, it's almost, it, it, we're, we're charged by the yard, we're charged by the, 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 trash container itself. So it's not really a cost. So it's pennies to the $20. So yeah. And it seems like that's not just a problem panels, but a problem with sort of motivating like the, the carrot that's usually associated with recycling is like cost and effort versus just tossing it out the window or into a river. And like, we know that on so many different categories of industry, the long-term effects of not recycling of just like dumping or filling a landfill are catastrophic or, you know, or like putting us on a path for self-destruction. So yeah, I, I love that like in this space of renewables, there's a real concerted effort to try to, to get to the bottom of this. Obviously there's gotta be some sort of profit motivation in there. If someone can charge 20 bucks to receive and recycle a panel, there's gotta be a sustainable business model in there too. Do you happen to know like how pervasive these panel recyclers are, at least in the U S where it's relevant to us? Uh, as of right now, there's from what I've looked into, there's really only a handful of them and they're pretty spread out across the U.S. So that's why shipping costs are really expensive. Before you guys got me in touch with the uh, Zeep, is that where they are? In uh, Massachusetts, the closest one I found was in Ohio. I and mean, they're probably one of, one of the bigger recyclers of, of mods. And that's, you know, usually like 1,000 to 1,500, depending on, well, at least from New England. But if you're coming from the West Coast, it's probably even more. But yeah, there's there's really not that many of them yet. So Neil, if I can if I can read that back to you, you're saying that there's this massive generational scale problem of recycling panels looming in the near distance, and you've got 
a very, very small group of recyclers who are exchanging their services for money to solve this problem. If I translate that into American, that sounds like an opportunity. Like, is this a space that, you know, people are kind of trying to get into right now? Recycling panels is, is the like level of complexity of that business just so crazy that the, the upfront cost is too high and, and totally hold space for like, hey, dude, not my expertise. <laughs> like, I'm just like, that, you're my yeah, local that, guru. I don't know too much about, uh, I mean, I've even, I've, I was also looking into like other areas uh, of our like plastic recycling stream. And I found these guys that recycle all types of plastic. And I was just like, hey, like, would you ever be interested in like starting up a mod recycling program? Because you'd probably be like one of two people in New England that'll do it. So I don't, I don't know how popular it's becoming, but I definitely do see it becoming more of a thing, especially that like solar is becoming more popular. We're definitely picking up steam and there's, uh, you know, a lot of solar installation companies popping up here and there. So it's going to be a service that is going to be very sought after in the future. Uh, here's hoping the sequel to Build Back Better includes some, you know, incentives for panel recycling. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping so. I mean, I think that's an interesting question. If we can kind of veer off our script here for a moment, just get philosophical, which is just who should pay for this, right? Because, you know, I mean, $20 a module when it's, you know, less than 50 a year, like you're saying, Neil, that we do, like, that's no big deal. We can cover that. But what happens when a two and a half megawatt CSA needs to get recycled? That would, I mean, that's tens of thousands of dollars to recycle that. That would be a lot harder for us to eat. But, you know, it's like, who who should actually be paying for that? Is it us, the installer, who should be paying for it? Is it the consumer who bought it? Should we just be charging them up front to recycle it and then hold that money till we need it in 25 years? Or is it the manufacturer's responsibility? Like, they made the thing that turned into garbage that's really hard to recycle. Like, should they? Like, I don't know. Like, what's the answer to this kind of philosophical question about who actually is responsible? You know, there's a, a couple of different answers that have been floating around. Some people definitely have been talking about having it become like a surcharge for the manufacturers to have at least like a buyback program, maybe, or like they'll take back their broken mods and break them down themselves. So there's been talk about that. I mean, it would be really nice to get some government subsidies for this as well. I don't think the cost should go on the customer or on um, the installers, but for right now, it seems like it's going to be something that we're going to have to, to pay for ourselves out of our pockets. Um, but there have been talks about you guys are manufacturing this and yeah, we're putting it up on the roofs, but you need to at least own up to your part of manufacturing these toxic materials and at least pay for some of it for us to be able to recycle them. Yeah, I like that solution because it then incentivizes them to make it easier and more cost effective to recycle them. It like yes. kind of closes the responsibility mm -hmm. loop in a way. Totally. And and kind of trying to bridge. I love I love this philosophical like left turn. It's really great. And I think to sort of add a dimension to it and maybe even curve it back towards the practical. Like I remember growing up, the like mantra of the the pre-inconvenient truth. It was like reduce, recycle. And the third one was reuse, right? Like reduce, reuse, recycle. Like what about like reuse? Are there contexts for, you know, mods or solar panels? Like I, I know for the deeper I kind of get into our own customer history, there are examples of folks who like swap out panels for like more efficient modules when they're released. And this is a beautiful thing. Like we're starting to hit this point in the life cycle of solar where it is in the best ways possible commodity. The panels get more efficient and cheaper, you know, every year. And so they're will be the type of customer that's like, oh yeah, I installed these like 
320 mods and I want to like upgrade to this like higher production module. But what happens to modules that might not yet have expired in terms of their shelf life and usability? Like, are there programs about reusing modules? What are the sort of dimensions or complications there? Because I think also, if I if I understand correctly, federal tax credits only apply to like new module purchases, right? Not used module. I don't even, is there a used module marketplace? I don't know. Yeah. yeah right. It's, it's interesting to think we've, we've talked about this angle uh, in terms of incentivizing, like how, how to incentivize um, electric vehicle purchase. And Susanna had this great idea of like, what if like EV tax credits did not only apply to new car purchases, but also to used car purchases. So I just, yeah, I wonder, is there, is there an angle to like half-life panels, right? Like where they still have maybe like, cause these newer ones are like 30 to 35 years. Like if they still had 15 plus years on them, that can align with a kind of a mid-priced or even cheaper end re-roof, you know? So like if you have a home with an aging roof and if there was a panel marketplace for used panels that are like local, so you're even cutting down on like carbon produced during the transfer of these goods. Like, did I just, did I just, are we, are we in business folks? Did I just do a side yeah. hustle? Is that what? All right. So I guess if you're on LinkedIn and you want to invest in Tavit's wackadoodle, no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> but I mean, is that, is that even like feasible from uh, a functional perspective? Do like these half life, panels still have good use in them. Yeah, they'd still have good use in them. One one person's trash is another person's treasure. <laughs> yeah, I guess. You might, find, you might find someone out there who wants to buy a mod for $10. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Like some like off-gridder. Yeah, some off-gridder who's just leaning it up against the tree on their property, yeah. you know? <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people our age that want to live in vans nowadays, so they yeah. can just throw one on top of their van and have a good use out of it. I think, Susanna, on your on your boat you've got like a, a small solar panel as well right a lot we of like do, yeah we yeah have there's like a, a lot of yeah, marine solar system for yeah. a little battery keep the tunes flowing awesome. <laughs> keep the tunes um, flowing nice but yeah you know i mean i've heard that lifetime warranty on modules is 25 years and that is generally uh, a power production warranty and it's guaranteed not to degrade more than a certain percent every year. So at the end of 25 years, the panel's going to be making, I mean, it depends on, you know, the manufacturer, but at least 80% of its nameplate rating. So, you know, at year 26, it might be 78% or 60%, but it is still making electricity, you know, and if if that's a a panel that's 5% of its original cost, like, I mean, that definitely seems like a business model that can work and can really broaden access to solar. If you're bringing down the cost that much, it's not super efficient, right? Like you, there certainly will be more options for efficiency, but certainly for places where we live, like Hudson Valley in Vermont, where there's plentiful land and roof space, I feel like something like that could really bring a lot more solar to a lot more people. And I guess to sort of another practical question that by no means you should have the answer to, but if you could point us towards some sources of truth, are there ways to make solar panels like easier to recycle? I mean, you could probably get in contact with with people at We Recycle Solar and uh, Cascade Eco Minerals and ask them about the process and you'd probably get more of a deep dive on it. But, you know, the, the old adage you know, if there's anything is possible, if we can put our minds to it, there's probably someone out there who's smart enough to figure this out, but uh, it's definitely not me. <laughs> well, thank you for your humility. <laughs> cool. So what we've talked about so far is that solar panel recycling is going to be a huge thing in the next decade. 
It's a small problem now, which is a great time to work on it so that when it's a huge problem, we have the infrastructure and systems in place to deal with it. And that is something that Sun Common is trying to do through your great work, Neil. What else can Sun Common do? Are there ways for us to influence this problem beyond just trying to set up our own recycling program? From my perspective, the best thing I think we can do is just try and band as many solar, other solar installers together as possible. You know, uh, money and peer pressure are really going to be our best weapons. If we go out there and say to like all these solar manufacturers, like, hey, you know, we want an easier way to recycle these panels and we're willing to go with any company that'll come up with a solution and that'll give competition, maybe smaller competition than LG. They might be like, hey, we figured this out. Lo and behold, the bigger manufacturers will take notice and will actually start making changes. But I really don't see them doing much until they have to, Uh, you know, money talks. Yeah, absolutely. That's a tough one to, to get around the money motivation. So yeah, Neil, dude, thank you so much for like cracking this open for us. I think there's like obviously a rabbit hole that goes way deeper into more technical spaces, uh, which is super interesting. And yeah, we might like circle back to this topic and maybe like connect with you again on a future episode. Definitely. Thank you for coming on the podcast, but more importantly, thank you for tackling this for Sun Comet and for being on the B team and digging into this for our company, because it's a hugely important issue. I mean, like you say, we we want to be a, you know, good environmental stewards. And a big part of that is thinking about our waste stream. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for taking this on for us. Yeah, uh, no problem. You know, I'm not the only one that's done this. This has been something that the uh, the B team has been trying to, to crack for, for years. And it's, it's something that the multiple people throughout the company have been trying to, to figure out. Um, and it's, it's, it's a tough egg to crack. For sure. For sure. Tough egg, egg nut, egg nut, nut egg. Uh, it's a nut to crack. It's an <laughs> egg to, I don't even know what egg. Yeah. Eggs are not tough to crack. They're not tough to crack. <laughs> That's awesome. And on that uh, sort of culinary note, um, Neil, thank you so much for your time. And I'm really no excited to see you next time I come to Vermont, dude. Bye guys. Cheers. Yeah. Wow, it was so cool. I mean, I like I can't help but like go into the spaces of like opportunity where I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like, oh, there's like an opportunity to like, solve a problem and like you know start a company, and start a business. <laughs> exactly. Oh, fine, young capitalist, uh, or not even young anymore. Fine capitalist. Uh, but basically, like, I do think it's this really exciting space, and I'm so glad that we have this internal team and you know folks like Neil who are continuing to push us in this direction because especially with our role like in the amicus group with like collective buying it really does feel like there's going to be times and places where the installer can apply pressure you know along with the general public along with you know government or any other sort of oversight that could come in and say hey this is a space that could become a problem we have the opportunity to proact let's do it like that's exciting to me Yeah. Well, I really like some of his solutions too, and ideas about how to make it better, because I think at the end of the day, the thing about recycling is that if products were made to be recycled, then it would be easy to recycle them. And we, we could do it. We could recycle them. Right. It's like part or a big part of the problem is that most of our stuff, solar panels included have no thought to their end of life, have no thought to how they should be recycled, what they could be turned into next. So if we start designing and creating products with that second, third, fourth, fifth use in mind, then it's just, it's just a much better system, isn't it? So, um, I love, I love his solutions of kind of putting the financial implications back onto the producer of the product, which then incentivizes them 
to think about that and to make it easier and more cost effective. So um, I'm really excited to see what uh, Sun Comedy can do banding together with these other solar companies to kind of push that pressure, like you're saying, and that influence in somewhere where it could be really effective. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, big shout out to Neil. Big shout out to the B team uh, at Suncommon and folks, listeners, you know, uh, whether you're looking to go solar for your home or your business, give us a shout. Uh, We're at suncommon.com. We're serving the Hudson Valley uh, in the capital region of New York state. And we're also serving most of Vermont as well. So we're here. We're experts in what we do. We got the acumen for the design and the install. And we really thinking about (laughs) thinking about the future of panels over here too. So reach out uh, and always a pleasure to talk to you, Susanna. And you, Tavi. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening, y'all.